This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. And you know, I have long lamented my handwriting. It's terrible. Uh, And any particular day, on any particular day, it can look completely different, including my signature, by the way, which is really awesome. Um, And just depending on the medium, the setting, my mood, you know, I can go anywhere from sloppy cursive to sloppy printing to really nice legible printing or a combination of the two, which is usually sloppy. Um, So that's fantastic. I've actually heard people say, well, actually, no, that's a lie. I've heard one person say, um, and it was Phil Johnson, that when he got saved, his handwriting got better. And I think, well, I don't know what that means for me because I think mine got worse. So... um, but this, I have this ongoing struggle for legible and, you know, nice, pretty handwriting. I know people with nice handwriting and I envy them because mine is not. Um, and so I, when I can, I try to force myself to write neatly. So in my own personal notes so that, you know, I can read them. Uh, you know, so when I jot down notes for Eve and things like that, I try to be very neat so that I can read them later. Um, Unfortunately, I'm usually writing on my lap or I'm in a hurry and so that, you know, doesn't actually pan out. But over the past couple of years, I think my efforts to write neatly and legibly have been aided in the fact that I, um, a couple years ago for Christmas, from my brother received a fountain pen. And I wasn't really sure about this fountain pen thing because it seems like a lot of work. You have to ink it up and all of this. And I actually love it. And I think it's helped me write neater. Not all the time, I admit. Again, if I'm writing fast, I'm on my lap, whatever. But in general, I think it has helped. I, for years, was a slave to my favorite ballpoint pen. So it was quite a change. Uh, And it's not a magic wand, of course, but it causes you to kind of slow down and be more deliberate and what I like about that is it causes you to think about what you're writing more as well and I think just kind of helps you process it and get it into your brain you think about it you know there are studies that have been conducted that says that we retain more when we write it down by hand as opposed to typing it out and I think of college students today they're all typing all their notes on the computer and I don't know how they're making it through college (laughs) when I was in college we took notes and notebooks and uh, you know that's how I remembered things and when I went to grad school and started taking notes on the computer it was a struggle to remember things because you're sure you can get more word for word of what the professor's saying but you aren't necessarily processing it and I think that even is true for when you're just writing your thoughts down for whatever um, as you write them down by hand you process it a little bit better but anyway where I'm going with this is it's just the thought that handwriting is such a personal thing Um, you know who doesn't love to receive a handwritten note from someone we love Um, you know whether it's a significant other or a family member maybe your parents your grandparents 
I have kept many, many notes that were handwritten by my grandma. She used to send me, you know, $5 and a little treat or something when I was at college or even before I went to college. And I have those notes. She'd write on a little note card with a little stamp, um, you know, and just say, you know, here's, here's your treat. Love you so much, grandma and grandpa. And I have those and they, I treasure them. I treasure her handwriting. It reminds me of her. So you see, whether we like it or not, our handwriting is part of our legacy. And having sloppy handwriting won't taint memories, but wouldn't we rather have the messages that we've written and intended to be kept, wouldn't we rather have them be legible? Um, handwritten notes are just really special. But a far more important part of our legacy, ladies, is our witness for Christ. So regardless of whether our handwriting looks like calligraphy or whether people have to turn the page sideways to try and decipher our code, at the end of the day, it doesn't have eternal significance. It's just a nice to have. But how we live for Christ is far more important. You know, how did we react to the joys and the trials of life? People remember that. Did our families and friends see our trust of God in even the most difficult circumstances? Did that come through? Did the gospel of God's grace strip from our lips at every opportunity? Did our children see us reading the word, studying the word, and praying to God? Did they see us relying on him? And I started thinking about that, and I thought about how the apostles desired to leave their legacy. Um, I talk about handwriting. <laughs> the original manuscripts, all written by hand, but we don't have those anymore, but we do have the words and I happen to think of 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, where Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What a legacy. You know, this is Paul's determination to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so I, I dug into um, some of our favorite thinkers just to see what they thought about this particular verse in the context, the broader context of 1 Corinthians, of course. And uh, one thing that I thought was an important note from John Calvin was, uh, he says, in adding the word crucified, he or Paul does not mean that he preached nothing respecting Christ except the cross, but that with all the abasement of the cross, he nevertheless preached Christ. It is as though he had said, the ignominy of the cross will not prevent me from looking up to him from whom salvation comes or make me ashamed to regard all my wisdom as comprehended in him. In him, I say, whom proud men despise and reject on account of the reproach of the cross. Hence, the statement must be explained in this way. No kind of knowledge was in my view, this is Calvin uh, paraphrasing what Paul said, no kind of knowledge was in my view of so much importance as to lead me to desire anything but Christ, crucified though he was. This little clause is added by way of enlargement with the view of galling so much the more those arrogant masters by whom Christ was next to despised as they were eager to gain applause by being renowned for a higher kind of wisdom. Here we have a beautiful passage from which we learn what it is that faithful ministers ought to teach, what it is that we must, during our whole life, be learning, and in comparison with which everything else must be counted as done. Um, and I just, you know, I would interject here, um, if I'm allowed to interrupt John Calvin, which I'm probably not, um, but... You know, he's saying we learn what it is that faithful ministers ought to teach. And I would say what faithful Christians ought to teach just by their very lives um, and counting all other things as done. Um, 
in comparison with Christ. Uh, so I thought that was um, just kind of an interesting little take on this particular verse. And then I turned to Charles Spurgeon, a favorite of everybody's, of course, just to see if he had ever preached on this verse. And we all know his sermons were not expository per se, uh, which I think is hilarious, um, just because people who say that expository preaching is the only way to go. And I mostly agree. I love expository preaching, so I'm not putting it down. But they also love Charles Spurgeon, who not so much. Um, but on this particular verse, uh, there is a sermon entitled The Man of One Subject. And Spurgeon says, Paul was a very determined man, and whatever he undertook, he carried out with all his heart. Once let him say, I determined, and you might be sure of a vigorous course of action. This one thing I do was always his mon motto. The unity of his soul and its mighty resoluteness were the main features of his character. He had once been a great opposer of Christ and his cross and shown his opposition by furious persecutions. It was not so very much to be wondered at that when he became a disciple of the same Jesus whom he had persecuted, he should become a very ardent one and bring all his faculties to bear upon the preaching of Christ crucified. And uh, that was such an interesting addition, I thought, to, you know, just a thought on this was to go back and remember how Paul so fervently persecuted Christians. And now here God has taken that zealous nature of Paul's and doesn't turn him into a zombie, uh, you know, Stepford person, um, but takes who Paul is and uses it for the furtherance of his of God's kingdom. And now Paul is taking that zeal and he's preaching Christ and him crucified. Um, Spurgeon goes on, he says, a man so wholehearted as Paul, so thoroughly capable of concentrating all his forces as the apostle was, and so entirely won over to the faith of Jesus, was likely to enter into his cause with all his heart and soul and might and determined to know nothing else but his crucified Lord. Uh, and then he, he, you know, does Spurgeon for a bit. Um, and then he says, for his uh, first point in the sermon, he says, what was the subject to which Paul determined to shut himself up while preaching to the church at Corinth? That subject was one, though it may also be divided into two. It was the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, laying special stress upon that part of his work, which is always the most objected to, namely his substitutionary sacrifice, his redeeming death. Paul preached Christ in all his positions, but he especially dwelt upon him as the crucified one. You know, um, and Calvin spoke to this as well, you know, in his paraphrase, no kind of knowledge was in my view of so much importance as to lead me to desire anything but Christ crucified though he was because of the abasement of the cross. But Paul still preaches Christ crucified, which is so offensive. The cross is offensive, right? Bible tells us that we know that we've seen that in our own lives. I've, I've no doubt you've spoken with people who uh, do not like the idea of a crucified savior. And of course, back in the first century, it was even more despised. Um, and so it was that much more scandalous of a message. So those are just some thoughts, ladies, um, you know, on this particular little verse. and. And, you know, this coming from the Apostle Paul, who also said in Romans 1, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
he was not ashamed and he was determined to preach nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And is that determination and that soul focus in our lives as well? Um, And I always like to put myself in here, ladies, because as I've told you before, I don't put something out there unless it's been convicting and teaching me as well. And so just in terms of this idea of leaving a legacy, you know, this is not just for people who have children. I speak to you as one who has no children. I don't have children. I don't plan on having children, but I will still leave a legacy and not these podcasts and not my blog, because trust me, when I'm dead and gone, nobody's going to be looking up the old Equipping Eve podcasts. But how will our friends, you know, our friends at church and and our our friends and our neighbors and the people we interact with every day, how will they remember us? How will our family remember us? Maybe you have nieces and nephews and cousins and, you know, I I don't know what your dynamic looks like, but we all leave some sort of legacy. It doesn't mean we'll be remembered forever, but we will be remembered for a time after we leave this earth by the people we leave behind. And what will be the first thing that those people think of when they think of us? Are we abiding in Christ so much so that he is the first thing they think of when they think of us? Like you think of, you think of Aaron and you think of Christ and her witness for Christ and the way she handled things was so honoring to him. You know, that's what I want people to think of me. And I don't know that they will if I die tomorrow or today. It's kind of a sobering thought if you think about it, ladies. You know, your legacy goes beyond your children. Okay, ladies, that's all I had on that for today. Just something to ponder during the week. Um, As an endorsement, since I talked about my handwriting and my fountain pen, and as a reminder, I get no kickback from anything. I say endorsements, but um, this is... I'm only endorsing it because I use it or I read it if it's a book or whatever and I like it and so if that interests you you can check it out as well I get no kickback from anybody nobody has asked me to promote anything Uh, this is just me offering my opinion on things you're welcome Um, but I was talking about the fountain pen and and all of that so um, my first fountain pen given to me by my brother and my favorite actually because I have a couple others and it's still my favorite uh, is a Lamy L-A-M-Y all-star and uh, it's very affordable by the way Um, they also make a safari Lamy safari pen which is a little bit cheaper uh, because it's a plastic body whereas the all-star is an aluminum body Uh, so you know if you're looking to get into fountain pens then you could certainly look into that um and if that is your thing, uh, there's a website called Lemur Inc. L-E-M-U-R Inc. Uh, dot com. Um, and I just kind of stumbled on it. Um, it's a small business. And I just want to say that the customer service has is just second to none. They just are um, very responsive and very responsible. Um, and when you get your package, it will come in an envelope or box or whatever. And it says, keep being awesome, which I love because, you know, hashtag just be awesome. Um, and again, they have, they don't even know me, so they don't know that I'm endorsing them at all, but it's, you know, if you like to give small businesses business, maybe check it out. Um, 
I've just had a good experience with them. So if that's your thing, then check it out. Maybe you can um, pursue that a little bit more and get some fancy, fine handwriting just like me. All right, ladies, just as a parting thought, what legacy are we leaving? And who is that legacy pointing to? To whom is that legacy pointing? Just a thought. All right, ladies, until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening.